to the book of Romans, Romans the 8th chapter, Romans chapter 8, and um, we will begin at verse number 1, Romans chapter 8, and verse number 1, amen. Again, if this message goes as um, I have envisioned and how I feel like I've been led by the Holy Spirit, then I will be doing a whole lot of teaching this morning. We'll be looking at quite a few different verses of Scripture. And I remind you of what Brother Kenneth E. Hagen said, that, that is, if you want the Word of God to work in your life, you need to get excited about it. Amen. So many churches today hardly even mention the Bible in a sermon, and, and it's almost like you feel like you've got to apologize for reading a whole bunch of verses, but thank God that's not the case here at Heritage. I know that you're hungry for the Word. Now, here's the beautiful thing about the Word of God. It's living and it's powerful. And the Bible says that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's, it's able to separate the part of you that is spirit from the part of you that is soul. And then it's able to go all the way into the marrow in your bone and the joints of your physical body. And that it's, listen to this now, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. That's Hebrews 4 and 12. So when it says a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, what it's saying there is that the Bible understands you. It, 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 it understands um, not just what you do, but intent has to do with the, with the question why. So he, he's saying that the Word of God has some specific answers for us, and, and those answers have to do not just with what you're doing, but it goes all the way down into the depths of the why we do it. Um, in Romans 7, the Bible talks about um, continuing to practice things that we no longer want to practice, things that are negative, things that are sinful, um, but we continue to be drawn to those things. Paul said he didn't understand why he continued to do things that he no longer wanted to do and even despised. And then he went on to say that there was something he couldn't quite put his finger on that compelled him to continue uh, to not just do things he no longer wanted to do, but, but he also struggled then to follow through on the good that he knew to do. And, and so I think if, if you're listening this morning, we can all relate to that. Am, am I the only one? I don't think so. Amen. Um, I believe because you're here this morning that you want to be right with God. You want to do right. You want to live the life that God created you to live. And, and so we see that that desire exists within the heart of someone who's been born again. But Paul kept running headlong into what he called this mystery, this, this thing that he didn't understand. Well, aren't you glad that, that Father's Word has answers for things that we don't understand? And so in Hebrews 4 and 12, when he talks about a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, I like to say it this way. You may not understand the Bible, but the Bible understands you. Amen. And God will help you understand His Word. He'll help you understand the Bible that understands you. And that when you read the Bible, it's the only book you'll ever read that will read you back. Amen. You're not just reading it, it's reading you. And, and so there are real answers. And, and the Holy Spirit is going to help us this morning not just see and understand those real answers, but to connect with them in a meaningful way in our lives. Amen. So let's jump in here again, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. It says, There is therefore now 
no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, this is a statement of, of truth. If you've been born again, your life is now in Christ. It, your life, we could say, is in the Spirit. Your born again spirit, the real you, that part at the deepest level of your existence, has been born again. God made that part of you new, and that part of you became one spirit with God's spirit. And that now defines your life. It not only defines your life here on this earth, but aren't you glad it defines your life after this life? It defines your eternity. Come on, anybody born again in the room this morning? We've been born again. And because we've been born again, we don't walk according to the flesh anymore. We live, we walk, we exist according to the Spirit. That's not a prerequisite. In other words, he's not saying that there's no condemnation if you do this. He's saying there's no condemnation because this is what's now true about you. Amen. Now, the no condemnation part here means that the only one who counts doesn't condemn you any longer. In other words, we all were condemned to eternity in hell um, because we aligned ourselves with Satan by ignoring God, listening to the devil, and disobeying God and committing sin. But Jesus came to pay the price for us and for our sin so that we could become one with God once again. And the first six chapters in the book of Romans are dedicated to systematically explaining this and making the case for this. So when it says, there is therefore now, he's saying in light of what we've just established, and then the word now. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit put that word now in there? Because if you read it tomorrow, it'll say now, tomorrow. If you read it six weeks from today, it'll say again, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, we'll explain this as we go along, but to be in Christ Jesus literally means to have been born again. The only way to be in Christ is to be born into Him, to be born into the kingdom. And so again, if you've received salvation and you've been born again, you are in Christ this morning. Somebody say amen to that. You are in Christ this morning and everything that is true about someone who is in Christ Jesus is true about you right now. Whether it looks like it, smells like it, seems like it, feels like it or not, it's still true. Praise God. Amen. This is why the Bible says from this point forward, we regard no one according to their flesh or their outward appearance. Because someone can be born again on the inside, but the outside of them not reflect the fullness of that yet. And we shouldn't be judging people. Matter of fact, we were commanded not to judge people. Because what someone is doing in the flesh and what habit they may still be struggling with in the flesh is not a reflection of who they truly became the day they became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so there's, no, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, verse number two, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus 
has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I, I encountered some spiritual warfare uh, this morning over this sermon and the one that we will be delivering tonight because, and, and, and this is the lie that the enemy is trying to tell me, okay? The lie of the enemy, and I'm just going to expose him, okay? But the lie the enemy is trying to tell me is that this is too tedious. People aren't really interested in this. Um, there's a lot of details here. It's going to sell right over their heads. You know, you ought to lighten it up a little bit. And, and, and so, again, I, I know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to me, and I know when it's the enemy. And so the enemy, I, again, I'm trying to expose him because if he's telling me this, if he's telling me this, trying to get me to not preach the message using these reasonings, right? Then that's a pretty good tip of his hand to me that he's trying to tell you the same thing. That this is only for the elite Christian. That this is too complicated and in-depth and it really doesn't have anything to do with us. Because again, the enemy is trying to distract you from this because these are real answers. These are answers that we absolutely positively need for our lives. This is the difference between living and walking in victory as a born-again believer versus living and walking in defeat as a born-again believer. Amen. Overcoming or undergoing. And since we are overcomers, we need to learn how to overcome. We were taken out of a system of darkness and brought into God's system and kingdom of light. We were taken out of an economy of, of, of failure and, and, and defeat, and we were brought into an economy of victory. Amen. We are, we are no longer in darkness. We are no longer in death. We are in a new kingdom. We are in a kingdom of light and life. The problem that we have in this new kingdom is we know more about life in the previous kingdom we've been brought out of instead of the life and how to live in the kingdom that we're now citizens of. Amen. If, if I was to uh, move, um, you know, I've, the only foreign country I've, I've ever spent time in was, was in Kenya. And so um, one th one, there were similarities but, you know, they do things different in Kenya than we do them here in the United States of America. And so if I was to go live in Kenya, first thing I'd have to learn how to do is drive on the opposite side of the road. Right? In other words, there's going to be some adjustments that I'm going to have to make with the way I live my life to accommodate this new culture, to accommodate this new way of doing things, to accommodate a new system, a new government. Amen. And so when you were born again, you were taken from one government and planted in a new government. You were taken out of one way of, of living and one system of life, and you were planted into a new way of living, into a new system of life. And because folks have not yet been trained or been taught, or for that matter, even had it explained to them, we're trying to live in the new system according to the old ways. And it's not working. It's not working. And it's caused a lot of people to become disillusioned with Christianity that, you know, they, well, it doesn't work, all this promise of, of abundance and blessing and peace and love and joy and, and contentment and satisfaction. And, and did I mention peace? And, you know, that it, it, they, they said, you know, if anything, I got more trouble now trying to live a Christian life than I had before. And, and so that's a, that's, that's a real shame to me. It's real sad to me 
that, that people have become disillusioned in that way because either they've never listened or paid attention when it was explained to them, or worse yet, have never had anybody explain to them some of these basic fundamental differences between life in the kingdom versus life outside the kingdom. Now, I'm not going to take you there, but in Ephesians, uh, the, the, the Bible talks about people who are born again, but are for the most part living like outsiders. They have a covenant with God, but they're still living like people who don't have a covenant with God. And, and, and the reason for that is because they don't understand these things that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul has put forth for us here in the Scriptures clearly, but specifically as it pertains um, to these things, okay? And what I mean by these things, I should be more specific, these laws, L-A-W-S, laws, okay? Now, if you notice in verse number two, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. All right? Now, <clears throat> these two laws are laws that have been revealed to us and spoken about in previous chapters. But here we have them summarized by this specific terminology. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So for instance, you are probably familiar with the law of gravity. Okay? Hopefully you're familiar with the law of seed time and harvest. The law of seed time and harvest is a law, again, established by God that says whatever you plant, that's what you're going to reap. Okay? Now, when we start getting into laws like the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, these are laws that very few people, and I, I, I hate to even say it that way, but very few people, again, understand this law, even understand what it's talking about or what it has to do with them. So he says here, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from, and so here is another law. And this law is the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. So when we see here that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, I'm not asking if you understand these things, but let's start here, okay? Reckon the law of sin and death is something that you would like to be free from. Amen. <laughs> something that, that you, would, you would like to not have jurisdiction over your life, family, and future. Something that, that you would not like to be brought under the control of. Right? See, the thing about gravity, the law of gravity, that's a, that's a law that, that, that we're under the control of gravity. And one of the things, we probably won't get there until tonight or maybe next Sunday, but one of the things that we see about a law is the only way to overcome the effect of one law is to operate in the effect of another law. So the law of gravity is something that we're all under the control of unless we learn how to operate in the laws of lift. And these, of course, are the, the physical laws, the laws of physics, 
that enable a person to fly in an airplane. Are you with me? I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just trying to show you something here. So in the same way the laws of lift, laws of flight, they're really the, um, the laws of motion, okay? Um, in the same way that those laws enable a man or a woman to overcome the effect of the law of gravity so that now the jurisdiction of the law of gravity, they're able to rise above it. He's saying that the only way to be free from the law of sin and death even if you don't know what that is yet, just hang with me for a moment. Again, I think even if you don't understand the law of sin and death, it sounds like something we, we don't want to be under the rule of. We don't want to be uh, bound by. We don't want to be held down by. Am I right about this? So notice that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is what makes us free from the law of sin and death in the same way that the laws of motion, also known as the laws of lift or laws of flight, make us free from the law of gravity, enable us to rise above it. Amen. All right. So I hope now that you see that this is worth the effort to understand these things. A lot of the questions that you have about your personal life and even struggles with your behavior, the answers that you're looking for are found in the answers that we have right here in these verses. Now, I want you to remember, law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from law of sin and death. Now, verse number three, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Now, notice that there is no condemnation for you and me as born-again believers, not just because God waved a magic wand and said... Um, no longer be condemned, no longer be condemned, no longer be condemned. He didn't wave a magic wand at Paul Martin and say, Paul Martin, you know, like some kind of Jedi mind trick, no longer condemned. No, it's not how he did it, right? Paul Martin is no longer condemned because what condemned Paul Martin, Jesus allowed to be condemned by it. He took what condemned Paul and bore it so that Paul could legally and vitally walk free from that condemnation and never have it held over him or against him again. Okay? So, the last part of this, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, He condemns sin in the flesh. But if you notice verse 3 is mentioning and uses the word law for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. Now, I'm not trying to confuse you, but again, follow very closely here. This use of the word law here is not speaking of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, nor is it speaking of the law of sin and death. It's speaking of a third law that has already been mentioned multiple times in the book of Romans leading up to chapter 8. Amen. We only have so much time in one session, and so if we were to go back and try to cover all of that, um, we wouldn't have time to build any further on it. But this use of the word law here is referring to God's laws, 
also referred to as the law of Moses. Remember, John said by the Holy Spirit that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by and through Jesus Christ. Right? So what he's talking about here is the law of Moses. I feel some of you slipping away from me now. Come on back. We gotta, we gotta get a hold of this, please. Because believe it or not, of the three laws that are mentioned here, three very important laws, the law of Moses, the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, of these three very important laws discussed in Romans chapter 7 and 8, the one that people are most familiar with is the law of Moses. If I was to ask you this morning to tell me, you know, which one of these three you know the most about, Law of Moses, Ten Commandments, that's the same basic thing. Law of the Spirit of Life in Christ Jesus, Law of Sin and Death. Um, you know, you had to write a three-page paper on one of those three things, right? Most, most everybody would take the Ten Commandments, you know, because that's, that's the one that we've heard the most about. That's the one we know the most about. Even if you can't quote all ten of them, right, you have some general idea of what they are and, and what you think God gave those commandments to us to produce or, or to create or to, or to, 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 to fix or, or what have you. Am I right about this? Are you with me still? Okay. Now, <clears throat> let, me, um, let me keep reading here for just a moment, all right? So verse number four Well, let's, let's, let's go to verse 3 again. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law, again, law of Moses, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. All right, now... We see that God gave these commandments to us through Moses. Now, let me clear up one thing that seems to be a point of contention for some people. And that point of contention is that those commandments were given to God's people and God's people were the Jews. Well, Paul addresses this also to the book of Romans, and he basically says it this way. To a non-Jewish man who says it's wrong to commit murder, those commandments were not written in stone and given to him. They were written within him by God. In other words, because we were created in the image and likeness of God, God's moral code has been, has been basically imparted into us. It's not that you can necessarily track these kinds of things within a DNA code, but it is, it is within our DNA. In other words, you, you won't find in any culture where it's acceptable to murder a man and take his wife from him. There's people that don't even know anything about Jehovah, people that, that live in, in rainforests and, 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 and worship sun gods or whatever. In other words, there's something in them that says it's wrong 
to take an innocent man's life. It's wrong to steal that man's wife and family from him. It's wrong to look him in the face and lie to him. It's Are you understand what I'm saying? Those things, although those folks have no idea that the creator of the universe wrote them in tablets of stone and gave them to his people, it, it, whether that's an understanding that people have or not, Paul says that if people, you know, choose not to murder, choose not to lie, choose not to steal because something in them says it's wrong, right? This, this is evidence of that there is a God and that all humanity was created in His image and likeness. Amen. So what we're looking for here is righteousness, okay? Righteousness, what does that mean? It means to be right before God in the eyes of God. Can I just simplify it? I like to simplify things. Not that the simple definition embraces the totality of what's being communicated, but sometimes we have to start small and move up from there and, and, and build and, and our understanding expand from there. So one of the ways that we can define righteousness is to be right with God. To be right with God. Amen. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring up, you know, some kind of regret or hard feelings or anything like this, okay? But when it comes to your relationships with other people, you know when your relationship with them is right, and you know when your relationship with them is not. Do you understand what I mean by that? That's why the Bible says when you come to bring your offering, if, if you have ought against your brother, your brother has ought against you. Hold off on giving your offering. Go get that worked out with that individual and then come back and give your offering to God. What is God saying? He's saying things being right between you and your brothers and sisters is even more important than you giving that offering. And if you'll get it right and then give the offering, both your relationships and your offering will be blessed. Amen. We all know when there's tension between us and another person. There's strife between us and another person. There's some unresolved issue between you and another person. And so when, when things are right between you and another person, so again, we're not talking about just you and another person. We're talking about things being right between you and God. And the only way that things will ever be right between you and God is if you accept that as an offer, as a gift rather, offered to you um, by Jesus. When, in other words, He has come to make things right. Let, let me, let me, praise God, there's so much to this. So, the simple basic approach would be if I want to be right with God, I need to obey God's commandments. And that's the simple approach, the simple-minded approach that a lot of people have. But what we fail to factor in with that simple approach is that, first of all, the law and obeying the law cannot make you right before God. Because even if through some tremendous heroic effort on your part, you were able to come into compliance 
with all of God's laws and commandments. Remember now, only 10 of them were written in stone. There's some 600 others. Amen. And the Bible says that it's all or nothing. See, that's the other thing. We think like if we're 8 out of 10, somehow that is acceptable. My friend, it is not acceptable. But the other thing is 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, and thinking that you have earned right standing with God, again, is, is flawed and broken because what are you going to do about all the times that you didn't? obey the commandments, all the times that you swung and missed, all the times that you tried so hard and failed. See, we, we, have, this, we have this very limited understanding of, of these things in the sense that we think as long as we're doing our best to obey, as long as we're trying hard most of the time to obey the commandments, that somehow this makes us right with God. My friend, it does not. And somebody needs to tell you this because you're wrong. And there's going to be a lot of folks wind up in hell one day because they thought they were a good person based upon trying to be good most of the time in their lives. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not a single one. You cannot make yourselves, yourself right before God in the eyes of God by your own behavior, by your own obedience, by your own efforts to obey the commandments of God. It will not happen. It will never happen. God has declared it so. The only way to be right with God, before God, in the eyes of God, is to receive the gift of righteousness that He wants to give to you when you call upon the name of Jesus by faith to receive salvation. Yeah. So, Jesus, the Bible says, became your sin so that you could become His righteousness. So that you could become not just right before God in the eyes of God, but as right before God the Father in the eyes of God the Father as Jesus Himself. The day the body of Christ comes to the understanding that we are just as right before Father God in the eyes of Father God as Jesus Himself is the day the body of Christ changes the world. It comes down to our consciousness, our awareness. And most people in the body of Christ are still struggling with a sin awareness, a sin consciousness, instead of a righteousness awareness, a righteousness consciousness. The Bible says that the wicked man runs when nobody's chasing him. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen. Amen. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's move on. Verse 5. Let me see. I pushed the wrong button here. Here we go. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, I'm not really here to expand upon this verse, um, but I just, I wanted to just one more time present it to you. We got a few more minutes. I want us to look at a couple more verses before we end for this morning. Are you good? Are you okay? You get anything out of this? All right. But what he's giving to you and me here are practical instructions. Practical instructions. He's showing us how to engage all of this as an individual. He's showing you and me what it is that we need to do. What it is that we need to focus our efforts upon. What you can do, what I can do, what you can practice, what I can practice. The skill that we can develop and strengthen in our lives that will enable us to engage something that we may not even understand, but have that thing that you don't even understand fully begin to make tremendous a, a tremendous difference in your life. And what is that practical, um, what is that, um, that thing, amen, that you can do? It's setting your mind. Praise God. It's setting your mind. Could it be that simple? Setting your mind. If we set our minds on the things of the flesh, we will follow after the things of the flesh and we will live according to the flesh. According to means based upon, directed by, in agreement with. And what we're stitching together from Scripture here is that law of sin and death that you may not even fully understand yet, but sounds like something you want to rise above and avoid and not be under the control of. The way you live according to the flesh, right? I'm sorry. The, you live, to live according to the flesh is to live according to the law of sin and death because what we see in chapter 7 is that the law of sin and death is written upon the members of your flesh. It's written there. Are you hearing me this morning? It's written there. And as long as you, as long as I set my mind on the things of the flesh, I'm going to live directed by, based upon, in agreement with the law of sin and death written in my flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, come on now, that's the life we want to live right there. Based upon, in agreement with, directed by the Spirit. These are born again men and women who set their minds, a deliberate intentional act, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. If you will set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you will live a life based upon written based upon, directed by, in agreement with what is written upon your born-again spirit. What is written upon your born-again spirit? The law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. 
It's written there. I, I, am, I am constantly looking for ways to give you something to say. I heard Brother Copeland say this years ago. One of the responsibilities of the prophet is to give people something to say. Good things coming. Amen. Amen. How many of you say that a few times every day? Amen. Good things coming. I know good things are here. But good things are also coming. We're expecting, right? Amen. 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 So to give you something to say, but then to also take the eternal Word of God and the spiritual machinery that it is, and I don't mean any disrespect by calling it spiritual machinery, I'm talking about the ways of the kingdom, the, the, the financial, the, the economy. We use that word in the beginning of the message, the economy of the kingdom. An economy is something that's producing the gross national product, right? It's producing results, the economy of this world. If we can learn how to engage the economy of God's kingdom, how to function in the culture that is God's kingdom, the kingdom that's in you, my friend. See, we haven't even gotten there yet, but there's a whole lot that's written upon your born-again spirit. And one of the things that's written upon your born-again spirit is the kingdom of God has been given to you. It's within you, Jesus said. And so how do we live according to the kingdom? By setting our minds on the things of the spirit. I can't do it for you. I can only help you. And you can't do it for me. You can only help me. Amen. Amen. How, how is it that I could help you set your mind on the things of the Spirit? Well, it could begin with how I greet you. Right? It could be the conversation that I choose to have with you and it could also be the conversations that I choose not to have with you. Whereas if I walk up to you and the first thing I say is, boy, it sure is hot outside. If I walk up to you and the first thing I say to you is the Democrats have lost their mind. Right? You see what I'm saying? In other words, how we interact with one another. I can't set your mind on the things of the Spirit for you. You can't set my mind on the things of the Spirit for me. But we can help one another, but we can't do it for one another. It comes down to you. Husbands can't do it for wives. Wives can't do it for husbands. And parents can't do it for children. And children can't do it for parents. But we can create an atmosphere in our home where it's very conducive to a spiritual mind. Just like we can set an atmosphere in our homes that's very conducive to a carnal mind. 
Amen. Singers, musicians, would you please come? Praise God. I'm, there's no condemnation. You see, this is why he, he begins with that statement because he's going to deal with some things here that could be potentially condemning. There's no condemnation here, please, for me or for any person that's listening to me right now. But the simple question is, how much of your time last week did you spend setting your mind on the things of the Spirit versus how much of your time did you spend last week setting your mind on the things of the flesh? I'm not asking you to raise your hand and tell me. I'm asking you to ask yourself. See, we have folks, you know, consistently struggling with things of the flesh. And, we, and it's just such a mystery. People tell me all the time, Pastor Mark, when is God going to take this addiction away from me? I said, oh man, let's, you're not born again, let's pray. Oh, I'm born again, I'm saved. Yeah. He's already taken it away from you. Right? What I keep struggling is, is, it, is addiction a thing of the flesh or a thing of the Spirit? Come on now, which one is it? It's flesh. Let me just talk about me and then you figure out if I'm talking about you or not, right? If, if I'm struggling with something in my flesh, right? According to the Word of God, it's because I'm setting my mind on the things of the flesh. If I want to overcome some issue in my flesh, I can only do it by the law written in my spirit. And I activate that law. I engage that law and act upon it by setting my mind on the things of the Spirit. Why do you think Jesus gave us this answer for worry? Come on now, are you with me? What was Jesus' answer for worry? Consider the birds. Consider how they're cared for, the birds, and consider the lilies. The answer is not in the birds and the lilies. The answer is in the word consider. He's saying if you want to answer for worrying, you got to consider something other than what you've been considering. You've got to set your mind on something else. Stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You get anything out of this this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen, we, we got a lot of ground to cover here. A lot of ground to cover here. If you can't be here for these messages, please, they're online, free of charge. We'll get you a CD, whatever we got to do. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You're here this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, I have never been born again. You talk about this gift of righteousness. You talk about receiving salvation. You talk about experiencing the new birth. That's, I've never received that. I've never taken that step. But today, I would like to do that. I would like to receive this gift of salvation that Jesus paid such a high price for me to have. Anybody? You say, Pastor Mark, that's me today. I've never been born again. Anybody in the room? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Father, I thank you this morning for all of these born-again men and women here. 
I thank you, Father, that your hand's upon each one of their lives. But Lord, more than that, your Holy Spirit lives inside of them and the things of the Spirit have been written on their born-again spirit, Father. And that's what we all long to live based upon, in agreement with, directed by, Lord, the prosperity, the healing, the wisdom, the emotional well-being, the soundness, Father, that's already written, that's already contained within our born-again spirit. Father, teach us this important, practical application for these things, setting our minds, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. Father, there's not a person in this room, not a person in this room, Father, first of all, that shouldn't be commended for being here, Lord. You're a reward of those who diligently seek you. There's not a person in this room this morning that hasn't battled mental distraction. Not a person in this room this morning, Father, that hasn't battled keeping their focus on what you're trying to speak into their lives, what you're trying to breathe into and impart into them, Father. We've thought about what we did last week. We've thought about what we're gonna do next week. We've thought about what we're gonna have for lunch today. We've thought about this situation and this problem at work and, and this issue with our children and it, all of these different thoughts, Father. Again, competing for our time and attention. Help us grow, help us develop, help us sharpen this skill of being able to set our minds on your faithfulness, set our minds on your provision, set our minds on your greatness, set our minds upon your love for us, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Let's sing this together before we're dismissed this morning. If you'd like to be prayed for or someone pray with you, amen. These altars are open. We invite you to come. If you need healing in your body or some other problem or issue that you just like somebody to agree with you in faith concerning, we'll be more than happy to do that. But let's worship the Lord for a moment before we're dismissed.